Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Well, bless the Lord, everybody. Bless the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. You are now live with the word on Wednesday. I am Pastor Winfred Burns, and we are moving right along. Tonight we uh, hope to finish up 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you don't already know, if you're a first-time viewer, we have been in 1 Corinthians since about the beginning of the year, and our goal is to discuss with you and study with you what, what, what was all this stuff going on at Corinth, and why did Paul write this letter? We have journeyed from the beginning where we discussed the situation at Corinth. We discussed the people of Corinth. We discussed Paul's involvement at Corinth and then this letter, and we've gone through and we've described these people as sometimes they, they were caught up in their knowledge of, and their wisdom. Other times they were caught up in spiritual things. We talked about um, the misunderstanding of spiritual things. We've also talked about how they were treating each other and how they were they were clawing and grabbing and and trying to to become preeminent over one another. And so uh, we've looked at all of this, and now tonight we're finishing off on a, a, what I think is a rather high note because there were some things that were going on, and there were some people that doubted the resurrection. They thought that they had already attained all that they were going to get, and and they were already in a spiritual state that was somewhat angelic. As a matter of fact, with with um, their use of tongues, what they thought was this was the language of angels, and we have all that we need, and it's just a matter of 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 basically going into spirit after this, that their bodies would just resolve, they'd be uh, dissolved some kind of way, and that they would just, they would just be spirit. And that so the, the material or the outer man, had not, they had no connection with it at all. And this is a rather strange philosophy that's even difficult for me to understand sometimes, but that's the way they thought. But now Paul is coming along because they're denying the resurrection. And one of the things that we talked about is, bless you, Brother Michael, um, um, one of the things that we talked about was central, central to the belief of every Christian is the promise of resurrection. You know, from the very, very beginning, um, I, I don't know where you guys are at right now, but 
first thing I learned was that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And so the first thing that I got was if I believed that I would have eternal life. And that started me along the, the road to salvation, that God loved me so much that he would allow his son to die for me. And not only would he allow his son to die for me, but that he would give me eternal life. And so now the question is being asked. The question is being raised. So if there is no resurrection, then what's going on? And what do you base your faith on? Because resurrection is a part of our faith, and resurrection is a part of our life. And so Paul's going to tell all of this stuff, and we started talking about this earlier, but now before I go any further, um, let me, um, let's have a word of prayer, and then I'll dive right in, because we got powerful lesson tonight. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. We come to bless you. We come to praise you. We come to give you glory and honor. Oh, God, we thank you tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your wisdom. We thank you that you will give us wisdom and knowledge and understanding. But we can only attain these if you give them to us. Your word reminds us that if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth liberally and upbraideth not. Your word says that you would give us the Holy Spirit who would lead us and guide us into all truth. God, tonight we need the wisdom from above. We need your Holy Spirit that will lead us into the truth of your word. We need you. And so we ask that you would lead us and guide us and be our teacher. Help us to understand. But more than understanding, help us to know what to do with what we learn. Help us to be pleasing in your sight. We bless you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So what I need you to do now is we'll pick up where we left off last week. And I'll be at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 29. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 29. And it reads as follows. Otherwise, what do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead. Now, hold on. Let me back up so we can get a good running start into that. 27. Go to 27. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, when the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. Otherwise, what do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead if the dead are not raised at all? Why are people baptized on their behalf? Why am I in danger every hour? I protest, brothers, 
by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die every day. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor as is right, and do not go on sinning. For some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. Hang on for a second, because I need to correct a couple of things really quickly. Okay. I got all kinds of beats and buzzes going off around me where where I think the um the camera itself, uh, the sec- secondary camera has gone off and I need some I need my assistant to come in if she's listening and and come and plug this thing back up for me. But anyway, I got you, and we're going to work it through. Okay, so first of all, the question comes up, and this is a, this is really a, a theological question. Uh, not, well, not so much a theological question, but a question that theologians have gravitated toward, and uh, what they're saying is, what do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead, if the dead are not raised at all. So he's continuing his argument, and his argument is one that says that, that why, y'all get, why are y'all doing this if, in fact, the dead are not raised? Why are people going around being baptized? Hang on, y'all. There's a cord right there that plugs into the camera that went all the way over there. Look down that one and plug that into the camera on the side. I'm going to keep going. Okay, so apparently what was happening was some people were actually being baptized in the hope that uh, for people that were dead, in the hope that by them being baptized in Jesus' name, that they would in turn um, receive eternal life. And so it says, if there's no resurrection there, uh, the other side, that's on the other side. We're having fun tonight. Technical difficulties. How about we say that? We got technical difficulties. My lovely camera person is having, having just a little bit of a problem, but that's all right. As we think, so if in fact the dead are not raised, then why are you doing that? You see, he's continued to argue for the resurrection. Now then, he says, if the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized on their behalf? Then he says, why am I in danger every hour? In other words, he keeps begging the question: Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this if there is no resurrection? Why are you doing what you're doing if there's no resurrection? You see how is this reductionist kind of thing that he's coming to? He says, he says, I died today. I'm in danger every day. And so with that said, he says, what do I gain, if humanly speaking? I fought with beasts at Ephesus if the dead are not raised. What, what's in it for me? If there is no eternal 
one of the things that I ask is, why do we do what we do if there is no eternal life? If all we get in the end is a grave, six feet of grave and, 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 and a fancy box, why are we going through all of this? We go through it for the hope, for the, for, for the promise of, that God has given us, that he will give us eternal life. And then he, he said, you know, bad, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. And that, 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 that's a quote from the Old Testament. And, and what he's saying is the people that you're associating with, they're dragging you down. They're about to take you down. You better leave them and that false doctrine alone. It says, wake up from your drunken stupor as is right, and do not go on sinning. What's the sin? The sin is doubting or not believing that of God's promise. And God has promised that he is going to raise us up. Because some folks don't know what they're talking about. I say this to your shame because you have no knowledge of God. And what he's saying is you don't understand what God is saying to you. Verse 35. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? Second part of the argument. With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. Argument number one. And what you sow is not the body that it is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies, and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for stars differs from stars in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. Stop. Let me stop right there. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop at verse uh, 42, because I need to go back and really spend some time for 35. He says, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. Number one, get this real close. In order for us to eat the eternal life that Jesus gives us, we must die. Yeah, we have to die. And many of us have reckoned ourselves dead at baptism. Ooh, you didn't think baptism was coming up again, did you? That's what the, the scripture is. What we will, what the, symbol, the symbolism of baptism where we reckon ourselves dead to ourselves, and no more I, no more I, but alive in Christ, but the Christ that lives within, and we give 
give ourselves over to Christ, we give our will over to Christ, and, and, and begin to march according and represent him according to what he says and live for him the way he wants us to live. When we do that, that announces not only our death, but our new life in Christ. Now, Paul is drawing a parallel here because he says, first of all, in order to live, you got to die. In order to live, you have to die. Jesus said that unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground, it abideth alone. So life comes from declaring yourself dead. But now what Paul is doing in this 15th chapter is he's saying that the fulfillment of the symbolic act of baptism comes prior to resurrection when we face death. Did you hear what I just said? When we face with me. He says, now, so what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel. You know, a lot of times when we put people, when, when, we, when we have homegoing services, we don't realize what we're doing. We don't realize, well, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, it's a party with a purpose and all that kind of stuff. They, 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 they party, but they don't know why they party. Let me tell you why you're talking. Because you have now positioned that person to go into his immortal body. Okay. I'm, I'm going to hold off for that because at the end, it's some preaching material here. And you've heard it preached before. But I'm, I'm going to try not to preach it again. So, the body that's put in the ground is not the body that'll be resurrected. He says there's a different kind of body. You can ready to see something different. And it ain't that. Now keep going. I, I'm on third I'm at forty two. He says, so it is with resurrection, the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is sown is perishable. So this body that we're in right now that will be deposited into the ground or maybe cremated, whichever, it is a perishable commodity. But what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. You see, this thing that goes in the ground, this is not an honorable vessel. This vessel that we are housed in right now has been subjected to sin, has participated in sin. But what, and, and, and basically, it is not an honorable vessel. We, we, we beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God to, to submit your bodies a living sacrifice, which is holy and acceptable in your reasonable service. But what we submit is the body that housed our sinful nature. 
and it is not, it is not honorable. But when it's raised back up after it passes by death, what God gives us back is honorable. It is shown in weakness. It is raised in power. You see, we are subject even to this very day to temptations to sin. There's always there's always something dragging on us, trying to drag us down and drag us back to what God delivered us from. You see, but it is shown in natural body. He just raised the spiritual body. The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven, as was the man of dust, who also are those who are of the dust. And is, as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Now, remember the conversation that 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 that, that uh, uh, um, Jesus has with Nicodemus. I just threw you a curveball there. Remember the conversation that he had with Jesus, Nicodemus. What did he say, Nicodemus? You must be, now your Bible might say, born again, but the reality is that, that, that the, uh, the proper translation is you must be born from above. Mm -hmm. And so when we got saved, when we got saved, we were born from above. It says that which is flesh is flesh, and that which is spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born from above. Mm -hmm. In order to enter into the kingdom of God, because the Bible tells us that flesh and blood does not enter into the kingdom of God, then you must have your spirit man born. You must be, renewed, you must be born by the spirit of God. Mm -hmm. See how you turn all this together? This is not... This is not some quackery that Paul is writing. Paul is literally teaching them right then and there that what's going on in us right now, what's going on in us right now is we are getting ready for a great getting up day. Now, we used to laugh at, 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 at the older people when they say, my God, getting us ready for that great day. My God, getting us ready for that great day. Who shall be able to stand? They knew something that we didn't know, that as we go through life and as we are going through the process of holiness, as we're going through the process of being sanctified, what God is getting us ready for is to take off this what we have on by passing it by death. Watch my words now. By passing by death on our way to our eternal life. Let me keep going. I tell you this, brother. Flesh and blood, I'm on verse 50. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Now, this is his speaking material right here. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, 
at the last trumpet, where the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. Stop right there for a second. You see what I'm saying? There comes a time in life where we got to take these old clothes off, where we got to take these clothes that are not fit for the kingdom of God and be translated into a state of being where we, where we put on our new body, where we put on our new clothes, where we put, before we go into the place of no more, when we take off this body that groans and creaks and, and is subject to the sin of this world, that has been subject to the law, that has been subject to the things that the law allows to happen, that are subject to even death itself, you know all the aches and pains that you have. You know the fact that all the pills that you have to take for blood pressure and diabetes and cancer treatment and, and for, for running noses and clogged up noses and, and ears, stuff putting in your ears because your ears don't act right. All of that is symptomatic of a body that is perishing. But one day, you'll be able to leave every one of them pills behind. You'll be able to leave all of them ointments and, and stuff behind. You can leave your heating pad. You can leave your ice. You can leave your doctor's appointment and all of that stuff because you won't need it anymore for the imperishable is here. That which is perishable will be passed away. Mm. We shall not all flee, but we shall be changed. Oh, yeah, we're going to make a change. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable. You see what he's saying? You see what he's saying? Imperishable. They will get up out of the grave. Remember last week when we talked about Christ, the first fruit, and then the rest of us? What happened with Christ? Christ God raised up Christ. And Paul is arguing now that we are the crop that follows the first fruit. And God will, when the trump sounds, will raise us up. And our bona fides, the proof of it all, is Jesus himself. Oh. <laughs> For the trumpet will sound. You see, in Israel, there are two basic reasons that the trumpet will sound. One was a call to war. And that's what that's where we're at right now. And the second was a call to worship. When that final trumpet sounds and we are called to gather to be caught up with the Lord, where we are called to appear before Christ and appear before God Himself. We're not going to appear in a perishable body. Now, there are some people that think that, well, that's all just, we'll just be a spirit. No. No, 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 no. Jesus is the first fruit, right? So look, look at how, how did Jesus come back here? How did he come back? Look at Luke. I just want to, just real quick. 
down the time, but I'm, I'm finishing tonight. Luke chapter 24, real quick, real quick, real quick. I'm still some extra minutes since we had some technical difficulties. Look, look at this. Luke chapter 24, verse 36. That's why I'm sorry. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. So in the resurrection, now don't ask me the, the, the specifics of it all, but if Jesus is resurrected and he has a body, he has a body in bodily form, then I believe that in our resurrection, what we're putting on is our new heavenly bodies. We're not going to be invisible. We're not going to be just spirit. There is body involved in it. Now, keep going. When, I'm going to restrict it through, for this perishable body, perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the thing that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Talking about the defeat of death. Watch this. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. The reason why death entered the sin was because Adam opened the door and through his disobedience and allow death to come in. And once death got in, it kept its power over us by the law because the law pointed out what we were doing wrong and gave death roughshod over us. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. God gave us the victory through Jesus because when Jesus went to the cross and he died for our sin, he took the sting away from death. He took away death's keys. He said, all power on heaven and earth is mine. And when he did that to death, you defeated death right then and there. And what Paul is allowing us to see is just like, just like Jesus defeated death, you too are no longer sub subject to death because you will face him. But it's just to say, you can get it in a minute. Mm -hmm. Because Jesus is going to deal with death once and for all, death will be permanently defeated and cast into the pit of hell mm -hmm. at our resurrection. At our resurrection. And this is the hope. So, finally, verse 20, verse 58. 
my beloved brethren. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So what he's saying is keep believing, keep trusting, keep working, keep walking, keep moving on by faith, knowing that God promised you eternal life and he's getting ready for you, he's getting you ready to receive that which he promised. But you ain't there yet. That's what he's saying to the Corinthians. That's what he's saying to us tonight. Our hope is not in what we see, but in what God sees. Our hope is not in our circumstances or the environment that we found, find ourselves. It's in what God says. And so we can continue to walk with Christ. We can continue to live for Christ. We can continue to represent Christ. We can continue to walk according to his word. Why? Because we have his promise. And his promise is sure. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. God did it for Jesus, and he'll do it for you. Therefore, beloved, be steadfast. Keep on keeping on. Keep, keep your head up. Stay in the fight. Stay in the battle. Keep witnessing. Keep serving. Keep worshiping. Keep praying. Because all that's happening right now is he getting you ready for some new clothes. Oh, and oh, won't we look good. That's what Paul's argument is tonight. That's what he's saying. Well, almost, but not yet. You ain't there yet. You have not arrived yet. He's saying that to the Corinthians. He's saying, you know, he uses the thing, uh, eat, drink, and because tomorrow we die. He says, no, that's not the way we're going to do this. We have a hope, and our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is in God's word. Our hope is that God is going to do exactly what he promised, and he ain't never made a promise that he didn't keep. So, what, what are you going to do? I know what I'm going to do. Simple. I'm going to keep on keeping on. Got questions concerning uh, what we just went through. And I know that from a theological standpoint, from a theological standpoint, we just went through a lot. Matter of fact, if um, if we wanted to, uh, we could take probably another three weeks just on chapter 15. But I just wanted to whip your whistle a little bit, and I wanted to let you know, I wanted to make sure that you understand that that which God is doing in you right now, it's for a purpose, and his purpose in doing what he's doing is to get you ready for your eternal reward. Let's pray. And if you got any questions, put them on the screen. If you are at Blog Talk Radio, um, you can call me at 929-477-2304. Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, thank you. Thank you for giving us a reason to live. Thank you for giving us a reason to continue going on. 
You made us a promise. A promise of eternal life. We listen every day for that trumpet. We await your coming. We know you just didn't leave us here so we can turn in the dirt. But instead, Father, you are doing something within us to advance your kingdom. And we bless you for that. Thank you for the hope. Thank you for all that you do for us. We bless you in Jesus' name. So, any questions? Okay, so that concludes our lesson for tonight. Next week we'll be in Corinthians chapter 16. And next week I believe that we will complete this journey and we will have gone all the way through. You know, I like finishing what I start. Um, be in prayer with me as we, um, as we search the will of God for our next study. It's the, it ain't over. It's just the end of this letter. Um, initially, I thought we would go on to Second to, uh, Corinthians, but I'm not sure. And I need to be sure of which way God wants us to go. Um, I don't just teach to teach. I try to find out what the Lord wants us to teach. And I kind of got to, I kind of know, but I'm, I'm, I'm asking God, you know, to make sure of what we do. So need your, I solicit your prayers on that. Pray for um, my family and me as usual, my wife Cheryl and my son WB, my daughter Wendy, and my grandson Trey. Uh, we solicit your prayers for them as well as for my mother-in-law. I solicit your prayers for her, wonderful woman of God. Um, just pray for us, and uh, we'll be praying for you. Uh, with no further ado, Good night. Have a wonderful evening, and thank you. This has been Pastor Winfred Burns, and you have been live with the Word on Wednesday. God bless you. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.